Blog Talk Radio. It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in, as always, as you've done so faithfully for the past 13 years here. So, hey, we're still all together. We're unfortunately, most of us are still locked in because of COVID-19. So, you know what? We got movies. We still, thank God, we still have our movies. We can still binge watch on really cool television shows, cartoons. I've been watching a lot of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes, I loved that show Oh, when I was a kid. But anyway, um, let's talk about today's show. Rocky and Bullwinkle, not so much. But our, our guests, we have two very, very talented filmmakers, and uh, their films are definitely going to be something that you must see, want to see during uh, this season, this time of year. Okay, our first guest is Tom Farrell, and he is the CEO of Workshop Content Studios over in the Pennsylvania area. And they have, uh, well, well, his company, Tom, they've done shows and uh, films for Netflix, uh, Basketball or Nothing, uh, True North, the Sean Swarner story for PBS, uh, and just a, just a long list of other stories and shows and films. But the specific film that we're going to talk about within the next few seconds here is titled Extraordinary, the Bill Atkinson story. And it's already been seen on select uh, PBS stations throughout the country and it still has more to go. So let me tell you who is uh, Bill Atkinson. Some of you may already know who Bill Atkinson is. This particular film is a very, very inspiring documentary film that's about the first quadriplegic priest to be ordained in the Catholic Church's history. And that is what Tom's film is all about. Uh, Bill Atkinson was not only uh, go on to become an ordained priest, but he was also a very successful teacher, and he was one of Tom Farrell's teachers. And it's just an inspiring film. And especially, you know, we're holiday season, and these types of films are even more meaningful. But they're good all the year, of course. But um, I just love the film. You're going to be so, so inspired for it behind this film. Um, and currently... Unfortunately, uh, Bill Atkinson uh, passed away a few years ago, not too long ago. I believe it was 2006 at the age of 60. But the good news is that it is being reviewed by the Vatican that he possibly can will be promoted to sainthood. And what a wonderful title. And what a deserving man is being the first man with quadriplegia to be admitted to the Roman Catholic priesthood. So um, just, again, just a wonderful story. So uh, we're going to bring on um, 
Tom right now. I was just somebody just passed me a note here. Okay, yes, we're going to bring on Tom Farrell to tell us even more about the making of Extraordinary, the Bill Atkinson story, how we can all see it, and just give us the behind the scenes and the making of such a very inspiring and motivational uh, film. So let's bring on Tom right now to tell us even more. Well, hi, Tom. So nice to chat with you this afternoon. Thank you for your time here. Really appreciate it. You're, you're more than welcome. Is this still a good time for you? Yes, it is. Everything is, is great. We're just waiting on your call, and there you are. And so <laughs> <laughs> we'll just jump right in here. Uh, your latest film is so inspiring. Uh, oh, my God, it's just just. You know, tell tell us all about it, um, and and how. Well, let me give the title: extraordinary, the Bill Atkinson story that has uh, been airing on nationally on public, uh, PBS, I should say. And so, uh, tell everyone your personal connection to uh, this wonderful priest and how you came about this film. Well. You, first and foremost for those nice words because um, this truly has been a labor of love not only for myself but our company here uh, because this film is about a teacher that I had in high school way back when Father Bill Atkinson taught me at a school by the name of Monsignor Bonner High School in Drexel Hill Pennsylvania back in the mid 80s and um, who would have known here in 2020, we would be talking about Father Atkinson possibly becoming a saint, but that's the reality of the situation right now. And so what makes us, for people who don't know, what makes his story so unique is that he is um, the first quadriplegic priest to be ordained in the Catholic Church's history that we know of. Um, so what kind of a teacher was he? I like to tell people that he was a teacher who could command a classroom. He, even though he had a visible disability and he was in a chair and didn't have use of any of his limbs, he still had this ability to connect with people. And I think that connection is what the students respected most about Father Atkinson because he knew the material that he was teaching you, but he also showed up into the classroom every day and you knew that it was an effort for this guy to get there and so I think there was an extra bit of attention that was always turned on whatever it was that he was teaching you uh, because of his effort to get to the classroom. And so share with everyone the details as to how uh, Father Atkinson uh, became paralyzed, what happened, the details. So he was in uh, what's known as the seminary. He was studying to become an Augustinian priest, and he was in the seminary up in upstate New York. And uh, there was a day that the seminarians had off. So it was a, a winter day, and they, they got the day off because of snow. And he and some fellow seminarians decided to go out tobogganing. And so they went to the top of the hill, and they started riding the toboggan down the hill, and the toboggan veered off the path and hit a tree, and Father Atkinson was the first person on the toboggan, so he was the one who bore the brunt of the impact. Oh, and he he 
broke his spinal cord. His spinal cord snapped um, upon impact and left him paralyzed um, from the neck down um, for life. Oh, my goodness. But yet that, that desire to serve God in, in a ministry capacity obviously was still in his heart, and, and he, he made it happen still. That's great. He did. Perse- per- perseverance was a word that could be used to describe this guy from mm-hmm. the jump because he was dealt a pretty awful hand there, as as we just heard. But mm-hmm. he wasn't going to give up, and he decided he wanted to pursue his calling, which was to become a priest. And um, it took him almost a decade from the accident to become a priest, but he stuck with it, and eventually it paid off. And um, he was... He was uh, ordained a priest just about, it was about nine years after his accident. And so uh, has any of Father Atkinson's uh, siblings or family members, what have they thought about the film? So we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about the film. If you do watch it, you'll see there's many of his siblings and his nieces and nephews who participated in the film and the family was super cooperative in helping us put together the story and get in touch with the right people. And we've got gotten an overwhelming positive response to uh, to what we've produced. So that, that's a good feeling on our part, too, because we wanted to represent the story in, in a fashion that everybody would be proud of. And it was a, a positive reflection on Father Bill's life. I think we accomplished our goal. And so when did you first uh, realize, because we know, uh, we'll get into that in a minute, you you are the CEO of Workshop Content uh, Film Studios, but when did you first realize that you really wanted to do a film based on his life story? So I would say we first realized probably about five years ago. um, there There were many people in my world who kept telling me that, you should do a story on Father Atkinson. You should do a story on Father Atkinson. And like all content creators, we hear that a lot of times if someone comes across a good story. And here, the good story was sitting right underneath our noses all these years. And it finally, I'm always a, a big believer of right time, right place. And it just wasn't the right time and the right place before. And so now feels like the right time, especially with all of the talk about possible canonization of, of Father Atkinson. So um, it, it was just something that had always been in my orbit. And finally, a couple of years ago, we just decided to let's go for it, put it together. Well, unfortunately, uh, he passed, Father Atkinson passed away in, uh, was it 2006? And, but, you know, the, the, the his story is obviously inspiring so many people. Uh, about persevering and following what's in your heart. Um, And so what is the latest about uh, him becoming uh, – this Vatican, are they still considering him for sainthood? What is the latest on that status? They absolutely are considering Father Atkinson for sainthood, and it's a process that needs to play itself out, and they are – currently interviewing many people who had interactions with Father Atkinson and have stories to tell about Father Atkinson and exploring his life 
and turning over as many stones as they can to figure out if, in fact, he is uh, worthy of canonization. And they're also looking for uh, miracles to attribute to Father Atkinson, which is also part of the process of becoming a saint. So currently needs two two miracles to uh, elevate him to that, that point where he could be canonized a saint. Oh, I hope that happens. I cannot think of anyone who is just more deserving uh, of such. I can only imagine the people, or even people who are not Catholic, how his story, this film, has inspired so many people. So, yeah. You and me both, Janice. And and every day there's someone who approaches us Mm -hmm. and tells us how he has impacted or why they are praying to Father Atkinson and in, in hopes of attaining that miracle. And so, yeah, we're, we're privy to hear those stories and see the power of prayer in action literally every single day since this film has come out. And so tell everyone about um, your other films that you've done. Uh, I understand you've done other films for PBS National as well as Netflix. So, uh, and, and just talk about uh, workshop content studios and, and the work you, you're doing with them. So, we are an independent production company, and we specialize in storytelling. And we always try to focus on those stories that are going to make a difference to the largest audience possible. And so, we've done. Uh, we did a. a uh, documentary on uh, a fellow by the name of Sean Swarner. Sean is a two-time terminal cancer diagnosis survivor. And Sean um, went on a mission in life to spread hope that you can overcome obstacles in life, whether they're cancer or something else. And we created a 60-minute documentary that ran on PBS and on Amazon Prime that highlighted Sean's trek to the North Pole. And he um, wanted to make an expedition to the North Pole because that was the last place left on what he called his Adventure Grand Slam list. He had been to the seven highest summits in the world and the South Pole, and the North Pole was his last one to check off. And so we decided to follow Sean and documented his journey to the North Pole and ended up creating a, a documentary on that. That, that's one project that we have underneath our belt here. And another one that just recently dropped is a show by the name of Basketball or Nothing on Netflix. And Basketball or Nothing um, shines a light on the community of Chinle, Arizona, and specifically the high school basketball team of Chinle, Arizona. And Chinle sits smack dab in the middle of the Navajo Nation there in Arizona. We found this high school basketball team that was going to, uh, they were projected to make a run at the state high school basketball championship. And what we found so interesting is that these players, uh, while they weren't the best athletes probably in the state, they certainly were the most determined athletes. And the story beyond basketball also made it very, very compelling from our eyes and made it compelling, we found out, from uh, a big audience viewership-wise, too, because when it dropped on Netflix in the first month, we had over 4 million people uh, stream the series. Oh, my goodness. So it was it was a story that really resonated with us and obviously has resonated now on a, on a bigger global level. That's amazing. 
you make films that really do shine a light and bring a make a difference, uh, not only with your subject matter but with the audiences, and that's that's so unique. That's so needed, also, especially in times like this. Whew, we need it. I, I could not. I could not agree more with you. And um, we we really try to focus on that, especially in our development meetings as we're trying to come up with new ideas and new stories to tell because we work in a very powerful medium. And so our philosophy is let's use that medium in a positive light and let's try to shine lights where news or media organizations may shy away from or not shine a light on. Mm -hmm. But um, in, in today's world, as, as we all know, especially in our culture today, we need to talk about things that, that may be uncomfortable, and we need to shine a light on things that need change and need action. And hopefully that's what we're doing in a very small way. We're playing a part in, in making a difference. One of the things I love to say every day is make a difference every day. Try to make a difference in somebody's life. Absolutely. And if you can, if you can go to bed at night and put your head down on your pillow and you've made a difference in somebody's life, it sounds very cliche-ish, but it really is true. It, it may it makes somebody's day different if you really went out of your way to help them. It does. It does. And I know the times that I have done just little small things. You know, we I think all have these experiences being in the maybe in the checkout line at Kroger somewhere, and maybe the person in front of you is short of a dollar or a few change. Oh, I got it. I'll pay. You know, just little things like that. It just makes you feel good at the end of the day. It just does. Really, truly. Yeah, it's as, it's as simple as that. You're absolutely 1,000% right. And so finally, uh, what's your next project that you're working on? That Can you share with us? Or we have to keep it a secret for a while or what? No, I should certainly share it with you. We are uh, really far down the road on starting our own new network oh. um, for the deaf community. Oh wow! And it's a, it. it's a it's a network that is going to feature content that's entirely um, sign language content. So we've we've flipped the script, I like to say, on this type of content where sign language comes first and the audio comes second. Um, and it it'll be a, a network specifically designed for the the deaf community in our world. Oh, my goodness, what a wonderful idea and a much-needed idea. So what, what's the name of the network, and when will it uh, officially be launched? So the name of the network right now is called DeafFlix, D-E-A-F-L-I-X, oh. Oh, that's and we're hoping to launch in July of 2021. That is such a unique title. So people can just go to what Def flicks.com or uh, .org or, or what? Yep, that's exactly what we'll do. We'll set up our own uh, hub, our own streaming hub, where mm -hmm. they'll be able to go and consume their content uh, just like they would on, say, Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or Facebook Watch. It'll be a similar type of streaming service as those. And so uh, the, the the content, the TV shows and uh, or movies, will they, you know, be for the, just just a variety of topics or what? It will be. 
Oh, However, every single show that you'll see on there will be 100% done in sign language. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. So, and and lastly, for sure, I know um, I get re- people are always, always asking me when I talk to top filmmakers such as yourself that have their own production companies and such, they always want to know how do they, how do you guys get ideas? Do you accept outside content ideas, pitch ideas, or in your case, how do you guys do that? Sure. I like to say that ideas are the lifeblood of any production company because you always have to be scouring and looking for what is that next father, Bill Atkinson? Mm -hmm. What is that next story that's going to hopefully make a difference in somebody's life? So, our process is pretty simple. We hold weekly development development meetings here at our company, and then we welcome outside um, outside ideas um, after we vet them out. Okay. And so how can people contact your company? So if you go to our website, www.theworkshop.tv, like television, okay. you'll see um, you'll see our website, and there's a contact page there that you can reach out to us. Okay, theworkshop.tv. That's it. Okay, so everybody who always asks me those questions, Tom is giving you the direct contact information, and they can just take it from <laughs> there because I like to just hear it direct, get the information directly from the, the person, and so you've explained everything so, so succinctly. Well, Tom, I my goodness, it's been such an honor chatting with you. I love the work and the films that you and your, your staff and your company is putting out, and it's, again, always oh, so needed because we just need some we just need everything right now. Positivity, motivation, inspiration. We need it. Oh, we need it so much. So thank you and your crew for all the work and the films that you're doing. Thank you. It sounds like you have that inside of you as well, just hearing the tone of your voice. So it was a pleasure talking to you, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I did too. And please Call us, contact us, have your people contact us when you're ready to release uh, Deaf Flicks. We really, really want you to come on to tell us all about that. That's exciting. Will do. Okay, thank you, and have a great rest of the week. Yeah, you do the same. Okay, then, bye-bye. Okay, thank you so much, Tom, for giving us uh, the behind-the-scenes insight into the making of his uh, latest film, Extraordinary, The Bill Atkinson Story. And what a story it is. And, you know, here we are at the beginning of um, the holiday season. I think this is such a wonderful time to have uh, a film like this. And also of our next guest who's coming on in a few more minutes here. But want to say that if you'd like to get more information about Tom's latest film, Extraordinary, The Bill Atkinson Story, go to uh, the website, uh, the, T-H-E-V, TV, the forward slash mark, current, C-U-R-R-E-N-T, dash, projects. And you will see uh, Extraordinary, the Bill Atkinson story, and you can just get all the details as to how you can see it and maybe order it if you want to give it as a gift. Uh, This is the beginning of the gift-giving season. You know what? This is the type of film, though, that is good any time of year if you'd like to give it to someone, to present it, uh, to cheer them up. And God knows we all need as much motivation as we can possibly find these days. And so this is one of those really 
feel good stories that I think will inspire you of any profession or whatever it is that you do. So you can always write us info at filmfestivalradio.com and we can give you any of the information that you may miss about our guests that we have on the show on an ongoing basis here. So uh, we're going to take a very quick break, and when we come back, before we get to our next guest, I've got some auditions I know that you are going to want to try out for. Yes, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of Film Festival Radio Show. Okay, we are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone, here, just chatting with uh, some of our cast here at the show. We, we have a lot of fun behind the scenes a lot of times, and sometimes behind the scenes we get on each other's nerves, but that's a part of a family, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, before we get to our next guest, I want to tell you about the auditions. Yeah, we got two auditions on two very popular uh, television shows that I know you will love, love, love to try out for, especially if you've got some talent. Yes, America's Got Talent. Yes, NBC's smash hit show, Looking for People Like You. That is, if you've got some talent. You know how the show rolls. Well, instead of going across the country, various cities holding auditions like they normally do, once again, because of COVID. Now, this time, COVID might be working in our favor because for the national television shows with auditions that, you know, like I said, they normally go from city to city, now, because of the virus, they're allowing potentials to just audition from the comforts of your own home by way of Zoom or Skype of any of that type of technology. So that includes, again, America's Got Talent. They are looking for people who have talent from coast to coast. And all you have to do, all you have to do is you need to go to the website that I'm going to give you and you will find all of the information there. And they're holding the auditions virtually through video auditions from the safety of your own home. Now, if you have already a, a video audition, they do have uh, a way that you can submit your audition, your already prepared, done audition online. So you can find that information at this website, agtauditions.com. Yeah, AGT, which of course stands for America's Got Talent. So it's agtauditions.com. There is a tab there that will allow you to upload a already done audition video if you've already have one. But if you don't have one, they are doing actual live auditions from the safety of your own home. You can go same website agtauditions.com. All of the details, where to click, what to do is right there for you. So if you know someone who has talent, or maybe you have talent, or maybe it's uh, you got a band, or you know what America's Got Talent does. they got all kinds of really cool uh, acts that come on the show. And now you can just 
show them what you've got. Strut your stuff in the comforts of your basement or your living room or not your bathroom, hopefully not, but you can do it from your own home. AGTAuditions.com. America's Got Talent. And good luck. We might see you next season on America's Got Talent. And if you win, you live there in our, well, if you don't live in our area here in Vegas, wherever you live, we can possibly still have you on our show as the winner. Okay? So, AGTAuditions.com. Okay, our next audition. Oh, my goodness. Who does not love Let's Make a Deal? Our grandmothers. We grew up watching it. Who did not? If you don't like Let's Make a Deal and The Price is Right, I don't know if I trust you. I really don't know. Because those shows are in jeopardy, of course, of the late, great uh, Alex Trebek. God rest his soul. Um, those those shows were just classics. They are just classics. But stay tuned. Let's Make a Deal. Yes, Wayne Brady, Jonathan, Tiffany Cohen, Kat, hang out with the gang if you are selected. They are looking for new contestants for their upcoming new season. And they, you know how that show rolls, too. They want excited, enthusiastic, kind of wild, kind of crazy, but fun and safe contestants with your crazy costumes on. And you get to hang out with Wayne Brady and all the gang from uh, Let's Make a Deal. And, and, and you might win some money or... A brand new car. Yes, you might get all of that. So this is what you need to do. Uh, They're looking, again, nationwide for potential contestants, and especially if you live in the Southern California area, this area here in Vegas, you know, they're looking nationwide for people. And so what you need to do is real simple. Just go to this website, freemantlecasting.com, and that's spelled F R E. M-A-N-T-L-E casting, C-A-S-T-I-N-G dot com. And just like uh, America's Got Talent, they are also doing uh, pre-interviews, pre-audition interviews by way of Zoom. See, I told you this is kind of working in our favor and that you don't have to wait uh, for the casting people to come to your city. You can cast possibly from, they, they might cast you from your house, your garage, or wherever it is. So, again, go to freemantlecasting.com if you're interested in the pre-interview for potentially being selected as a contestant for less Make a deal. And again, that is spelled F R E M A N T L E casting, C A S T I N G dot com. Fremantle casting. All of the details are right there on what you need to do. And once again, uh, this audition, all of them will be done by way of Zoom video right there in your house, maybe your backyard or wherever it is you want to do your audition. It's all the information is right there for you. So good luck to you. Maybe you will, uh, you know, get the big deal. Every time, this is my thing. Every time I watch Let's Make a Deal, when it's time for the big deal, I always stick with door number one. I don't know what that's about. I always stick with door number one. That's just my thing. So, yeah, I can't try out for it, but you might, and you might get selected. So, okay, best of luck, listeners out there. If you got some talent, try out for America's Got Talent. And if you don't have any talent, maybe you're just, your talent is just being a fun, enthusiastic person. So try out for Let's Make a Deal. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we will have our next guest. And you're listening again to Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Mullaw. We'll be right back. This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, The Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Mullaw. Okay, we are back with uh, more of Film Festival Radio Show. Thank you, Property Brothers, by the way. Um, phones lit up. Our office line lit up because people are responding to those auditions. Yeah, because those shows are so popular. Who doesn't watch Let's Make a Deal and America's Got Talent? And this is your opportunity. Possibly you might get selected. You never know. So make sure you go and, uh, you know, do the thing, the audition, fill out your forms and everything that they ask for you to do. Okay, uh, let's get to our next guest here. Uh, he's a just a, an amazingly talented director, Wayne Wang, the acclaimed director of the hit movie The Joy Luck Club, uh, Smoke, Chan is Missing. Those are just a few of a long list of films the world has uh, enjoyed his work as a director. Well, now Wayne is back again because he has a new film called Coming Home Again. And it's a very intimate and poignant look into family life. And as I said earlier, this time of year, we're at the beginning of the holiday season. And so, you know, it's all about family, even if we have to social distance, even if we have to do virtual uh, visitations, it's still about the bond and the love of family. And that's what Coming Home Again is basically about. I'll give you a little, just a tidbit of information and Wayne can fill us in with the rest. Um it's based on a personal essay, actually, by the gentleman who is the actual screenwriter. Yes, it's based on an actual story, you know, part of the, the screenwriter's life there. And so uh, it takes a look at a son, and he's taking care of his terminally ill mom. And the film takes place over the course of a, a full day during the um Korean New Year's Eve dinner. And so the main character, he is uh, trying to prepare a traditional Korean New Year's Eve dinner just the way that his mother used to do so and how she's cooked for so many years, especially for special holidays such, such as the New Year's Eve dinner. And so uh, that's the basis of the storyline. But as I said, Wayne will fill us in on the rest of the details and this movie, by the way, has some really good-looking food in it. If you love good food, and we all know that I do, uh, I especially uh, other cultures' foods, I just love it so much. But this food was actually um, prepared by a Korean American chef. I will ask. We'll, we'll ask Wayne more about the chef and about 
how many outtakes and intakes that they have to do with the food and uh, did anybody gain weight? <laughs> oh, yeah, this food looks so delicious, but it's a great storyline. And uh, again, it's a very good film for especially this time of year. So let's bring on uh, Wayne Wang to talk more about his latest film, Coming Home Again right here on Film Festival Radio. So we're going to flip it over to our line where we have him on hold, and we'll bring him on right now. Hear me? Yeah. Hi, Janice or Janice? It's Janice. Janice. Yes, I'm all here. Okay. Okay, I'm all here too. Okay. So we've we've had our, <laughs> we've got our roll call, and so everybody's present, so that's always good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, Wayne, I want to say what a what a pleasure it is to uh, chat with you. Been a longtime fan of your films and your work, and so this is a real treat for me. So thank you for the time here. Oh, I thank you. Okay, well, we'll just jump right in here. Uh, your current film uh, again, the title is Coming Home Again. Um, follows <clears throat> through a one day shot of a Korean American man and their, his family preparing a big New Year's Eve feast, um, but there there's a lot going on, unfortunate information going on with his mom, and right. so I'll just leave it at that and let you take the baton and finish and tell us the rest of the story about this film. Well, yeah, I, I really like the idea of having, uh, focusing the film on in one day with the son uh, cooking this dinner, uh, New Year's Eve dinner for the mother, uh, which is the same dinner that she has always cooked for the family. And in the in the preparation of the dinner, he kind of remembers uh, a lot of things about, you know, their relationship, uh, his and his mother and his father. Uh, and in a way, you know, there are the the loving moments, there are the sweet moments, and there's the sad, there's the, you know, ironic or, or, or frustrating moments. So, uh, but the film is kind of constructed in this one day, and, and it doesn't have your typical sort of dramatic, you know, act one, act two, act three. It's more about process, the process of preparing the dinner, the preparation, the cutting, the... Uh, all the food stuff is very important. The food stuff kind of represents, you know, uh, the relationship, so to speak. And at the same time, I also use, and this is the, my uh, love for, let's say, a, a, a Japanese filmmaker called Ozu, where he uses a lot of shots of the house itself, uh, a lot of the uh, objects in the in the house. Uh, which he calls the the tears of, of of the house, or tears of the environment, or tears of objects, uh, or the emotions of objects. Um, and I use that to kind of complement the narrative in a way that most most Hollywood films wouldn't do, and 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 kind of give it a different tone and a different kind of sense of things from there. Um, in a way, it 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 makes me think of uh, you know what we're going through right now with the pandemic. You know how many of our friends, relatives, our parents may be 
sick and dying and we sometimes can't even see them and we kind of have to take this moment and and live with it uh and deal with it in a very uh very you know um uh different way so uh that's you know if i take one paragraph out of the movie it's almost it could be it could be the mother dying of uh of, of a coronavirus yeah anyway so uh, and so yeah. um now this the the, the film uh, again coming home again was I understand was based on a personal essay, um, but in my research I saw where you drew on some of your own personal experiences of had how you looked after your parents in their final days. So personally speaking, how was this an emotional? Was it very emotional for you personally to work on a type of script like this or what? Well, it, 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 you know, the, the, the short story kind of uh, uh, was very parallel to my own, own, own relationship with my mother. Uh, nothing really specific that I added in, but it just sort of resonated quite a bit. The one thing that I did change a lot was the ending. In the, in the short story, the ending was kind of, it, it, it it doesn't have a lot of drama, you know, they eat the food and then, you know, they, they celebrate New Year's Eve and it's kind of over. Um, it's more poetic than anything else. But I, I felt with the actors at the, at the time we were doing it that we needed more drama and more, more tension to everything building up to that point. So we changed quite a few things towards the end just to provide more of the tension and the conflict uh, between the love and the and the hate, so to speak. Hello, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, okay. I have a red light on my phone, so I thought maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So don't. that was what I changed more. Yeah. That's what you changed. Okay. And so, yeah. um, as you mentioned earlier, uh, this movie, a part of it, food plays a big role in this film. Uh, kind of moves the storyline along quite a lot there. Um, so, I mean, like all that great food, did anybody gain any weight during the making of this film or what? <laughs> well, they couldn't. All that food takes takes uh, a lot of care and time to kind of prepare. Uh, actually, a very well-known chef here in San Francisco called Corey Lee and his staff, you know, had to make all that stuff every day. We couldn't eat it. We couldn't, you know, the the the, the beef shortbread ribs were so they tasted, uh, it smelled so good, but we couldn't touch it. We couldn't eat it because every every single piece had to be right and has had to be presented visually uh, on film. So anyway, we really didn't eat that much of the food that came came to the set. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, somebody after the shoot was over, somebody somewhere that day had to. Well, <laughs> so the only time we actually tasted the food was the chef actually spent two weeks uh, teaching the two actors uh, how to how to cook these dishes oh. uh, in a very meticulous way. And during that time, we actually, when they finished cooking it, we actually could taste it so that they could 
kind of get a sense of what it tastes like if it's done right or if it's not done right and things like that. So anyway, we were able to taste everything then. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was getting concerned. All that great food. <laughs> goodness. Well, I'll tell you, Wayne, um, do, do you have, a, like, like you were explaining earlier here, that this film, the, the directing and shooting of it was more of a, a personable, more intimate style. Do you have a preference? Do you prefer working on that style of filmmaking or the big, big, you know, the huge studio budget type films or, or what? Well, the, the huge studio type film has its advantages in that, you know, I could almost, I have, you know, 500 people at my calling and I could get a pink elephant if I wanted to in five minutes. Uh, but anyway, I enjoy this right now only because I'm getting older and I I don't know if I can take the stress of that, you know, other kind of filmmaking. I could walk to the set, uh, which is only three blocks away. Uh, I could, you know, my, my wife brings me my, my lunch uh, and I could do whatever I want. I mean, if I felt like the actors were not getting the scene or if things weren't quite right on the set, we could just say, let's not shoot today. Let's, let's uh, talk. Let's mm -hmm. have, have a good talk about what's going wrong and right uh, with the scene, and then we do it another time. So the freedom of everything was, was pretty amazing that way. Well, that's good to hear. It just sounds like it was just another day at the office. Just, you know, walk to... <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very, yeah, another day at the office. It's still very intense, uh, you know, because every scene is, is important and every line of dialogue that was written was important and, you know, what the actors are doing uh, with each other is important. But, you know, there was a more relaxed, more casual attitude on, on, on the set that's that I really enjoy in this case. I mean, I remember doing Made in Manhattan. I mean, we had so many people on the set that if you were in the middle of shooting a scene and, and uh, you know, it wasn't quite right because the actors are kind of gearing themselves up to the emotions, but then, you know, you're already on your third, you know, meal penalty, you know, because if you miss the lunchtime, every time... Every every five minutes, it, it, it you know you get penalized like thousands and thousands of dollars. So anyway, you have to then probably stop and then come back from lunch, and you have to build up that emotion again. Oh yeah, that well, that makes a lot lot of sense. Kind of draining when you have to do all of that, and after so many hours, goodness. Yeah. Well, now of course, uh, as everyone knows, uh, you directed the fabulous, the Joy Luck. Club movie many years ago, first studio movie to feature a predominantly Asian, all Asian cast. It was such a hit. So I was wondering, since then, has has there been more of an interest? Is it getting any better for for the big studios to develop films with mostly uh, Asian cast members, or how was that whole? Is that getting any better? For twenty, thirty years, it was still kind of almost impossible. Lately, you know, maybe because of Crazy Rich Asians and, and maybe there was another film called Farewell and and some other romantic comedies that recently came out. Um, 
uh, I think it's getting a little better, but still not easy. And still you have to sort of work within a certain formula that they're looking for that has to, you know, be be more commercial and whatnot. Um, I think I think maybe maybe you know uh, there's a way to kind of keep pushing and keep finding ways to make films that are uh, truly more authentically portraying the lives of different Asian American cultures and and who they are, how they are, what their love and hates are, which is what I tried to do with this film, you know, because we didn't have a studio to say, that stand over us and say, well, we better have more of this here or more of that here. We were able to just, you know, do it the way we felt was right. Uh, there are so many, as you well know, so many uh, previously hit films and television shows nowadays who are doing reboots. Is there any talk of a sequel or a reboot for the Joy Luck Club or what? I don't know. I kind of, I kind of heard that they, that, that Ron Bass and Amy Tang were preparing something, but I don't know whether that's going on or not. So I've been a little bit out of that loop. I've been working on something else with Netflix, which is based on a book for young teens called, uh, you know, Front Desk. Ah, okay. And so is that your yeah. next, you know, your next big film project? Can you give us any details, or is there a book coming from you, or just what's well, next? Well, the book the book is out. Uh, the script is being written, so I guess if the script is good, and we probably need a little bit more work on it, and then maybe maybe it's something that could happen next spring, depending on, again on the pandemic, which is kind of hitting the whole industry quite hard in a way. So we'll see. It's, everything is sort of. Uh, the future is sort of unknown, so to speak, yes. by all of us. Yeah. And to further speak of the pandemic, uh, we've been asking our different celebrity guests, so what have you been doing uh, during the pandemic? Have you been reading or gardening or golfing or just taking it easy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, I've been reading, reading uh, during the day and then at night, you know, we watch a lot of TV series, which we didn't used to at all before, but now we're, we're kind of getting into it. A lot of European ones that we really enjoy. Um, for example, there's something called the Bureau, which is about, you know, it's French, uh, about spying. Uh, there's something called Organ, which is about a woman who becomes a prime minister, uh, uh, of Denmark, and you know they're really well made, really smart, really unpredictable uh, 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 storytelling, actually. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I really appreciate those. I don't know. I I look at a lot of uh, foreign, just uh, say international filmmakers' films and television projects and such, and they are so. Some of them are. Many of them are so well developed. And then when you come back and look at some of the American television shows, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, what are we doing here? No. <laughs> I know. It's kind of sad when we come back to some of the American ones and they're so predictable, they're so corny, they're so overdone. The only one that I have found, well, there's some other ones too, but recently we started watching Ozark, which is 
very violent at times, but it's it's really well done and well written. Uh, Jason Bateman and, and Laura Linney are really good. And have you seen that? No, I have not seen it. Everybody, it seems like everybody yeah. that I know has seen it but me. But I need to go tune in and see it. I definitely right. Do. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got a couple of last questions here. Um, do Do you have a personal favorite scene in uh, Coming Home Again? I think my favorite scene is one sort of later on in the movie where, well, the whole movie is sort of a metaphor with the with the uh, making of the of the short rib where you have to cut it in a certain mm-hmm. way so that the that the the flesh is connected to the bone. So that's kind of a great metaphor for the son and mother relationship. But towards the end of the film, the son actually, you know, gets so frustrated because he. He cooks his dinner and the mother can't even, you know, eat it. Yeah. Uh, he ends up sort of taking the leftover and he rips the flesh off the bones. Um, it's very powerful to me, and that's that's a very, very moving and 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 effective scene for me. And very good work by your actors, obviously there and and directing. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, I hope his teeth stay. Films like Made in New York and Joy Luck Club. Did you have any favorite scenes from those two? Um, I have a lot of favorite scenes from those. Um, um, yeah, I, I I think the Joy Luck Club, uh, the mother taking opium cakes to commit suicide was was always a very moving scene for me. Or the other one that always keeps coming up is the mother, and these are both in the period stories, the mother, you know, having to drown the baby because she was so frustrated with how how the husband was with her. Um, anyway, there's some very powerful stuff in, in, in all these films. Very powerful. I remember those scenes. They were just... Again, just the talent of the actors as well as the director, and it just you know merged together, just delivers. It does its job all, all the whole film, but the, those scenes definitely did so as always with your work. Well, anyway, Mr. Wayne, I thank you so much for chatting with me and giving us some behind-the-scenes info about coming home again. And uh, we'll just look forward to your your next project. You said it's uh, Netflix, and uh, we'll just we'll be on standby when all this pandemic craziness is over, and we can get back to the films again and the theaters. I know, I know. So I hope this will this will be over, and we can all go back to to kind of a more normal yeah. uh, <laughs> life. Uh, I miss going inside. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you again, and uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We'll see you. See you at the movies. Okay. okay. All right. All right. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. 
Okay, thank you so much, Wayne, for uh, giving us the backstory, giving us that backstory on the making of uh, coming home again. Interesting um, response about uh, if he would, you know, about the possible reboot of uh, his hit film, The Joy Luck Club, from several years ago. But um, we shall see. Maybe maybe there will be a reboot. We'll find out. if They're rebooting everything else. My goodness. But if you would like uh, more information on how you can see and where you can see coming home again, um, go to this website, Outsider Pictures, with an S dot us the forward slash mark movie forward slash mark again coming dash home dash again got it that's out out cider pictures with an s dot us the forward slash mark movie forward slash mark coming dash home dash again and when I say dash I mean the dash mark of course so there you can find out uh, how you can see the film in in theaters select theaters virtual cinema uh, which of course means that you can choose you know what virtual cinema is you guys are very smart so I don't have to explain that to you because you can of course see it from anywhere in the country if you go virtual cinema and anyway, they have all the details right there as to how you can see it safely at home if you choose to do that as well. It's all right there at that particular website. Once again, if you don't have time to write it down, any of these website links that I've uh, shared with you today, info at filmfestivalradio.com is us. And we'll send you everything that you need to to go download, purchase, or however way you want to see these films, and also the information about auditioning for Let's Make a Deal and America's Got Talent. So that is going to do it for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. As always, thank you guys for listening. You do so. You do it at such a wonderful time of year, uh, our holiday season. And actually, you guys listen all year round. What am I saying? We love it when you listen to us. We love your emails that we get from you as well. And so we'll see you on the next edition of the show. Stay safe, be careful, and join us on our next show. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.